Act One of The Devil is an Ass by Ben Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae Satan, the Great Devil Read by Alan Mapstone Pug, the Less Devil Read by Sonia Iniquity, the Vice Read by Nemo Fabian Fitzdotro, a Squire of Norfolk Read by Thomas Peter Meercraft, the Projector Read by Hamlet Everall, his champion, read by Algie Pug. Whittapole, a young gallant, read by Todd. Eustace Manley, his friend, read by Chuck Williamson. Engine, a broker, read by Rob Board. Trains, the projector's man, read by Jason in Panama. Thomas Gilted, a goldsmith, read by... Caleb Toll. Plutarchus, his son, read by Eva Davis. Sir Paul Iverside, a lawyer and justice, read by Beth Thomas. Ambler, gentle usher to Lady Tailbush, read by Kurt. Sledge, a smith, the constable, read by Joseph Tabler. Shackles, keeper of Newgate, read by Bruce Kachuk. Mrs. Frances Fitzdotro, read by Sandra Schmidt. Lady Oithersword, read by Lian Yao. Lady Tailbush, the Lady Projectress, read by Linda Olsen Feitak. Pitfall, her woman, read by Abai. Sergeant, read by Roger Moline. Keeper One, read by Victor Vizarraza. Keeper Two, Read by Adriana Sassiotto. Keeper 3. Read by T.J. Burns. Keeper 4. Read by Owen Cook. Stage Directions. Read by Sawasawaya. Stage Directions. Read by Elizabeth Martinson. Scene. London. Prologue. The Devil is an Ass. That is today the name of what you are met for, a new play. Yet, grandees, would you were not come to grace our matter with allowing us no place. Though you presume Satan a subtle thing, and may have heard he's worn in a thumb ring, do not on these presumptions force us act in compass of a cheese trencher, this tract will ne'er admit our vice because of yours. Anon, who worse than you the fault endures that yourselves make, when you will thrust and spurn and knock us on the elbows and bid turn, as if, when we had spoke, we must be gone, or till we speak must all run in to one, like the young adders at the old one's mouth. Would we could stand due north, or had no south, if that offend, or were muscovy glass that you might look our scenes through as they pass. We know not how to affect you. 
If you'll come to see new plays, pray you afford us room, and show this but the same face you have done your dear delight, the devil of Edmonton. Or, if for want of room it must miscarry, twill be but justice that your censure tarry till you give some, and when six times you have seen it, if this play do not like, the devil is in it. Act One, Scene One. Enter Satan and Pug. Ho, 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 ho. To earth? And why to earth, thou foolish spirit? What wouldst thou do on earth? For that great chief, as time shall work, I do but ask my month, which every petty puny devil has. Within that term, the court of hell will hear something may gain a longer grant, perhaps. Or what? The laming of a poor cow or two? Entering a sow to make her cast her farrow? Or crossing of a market woman's mare twixt this and Tottenham? These were wont to be your main achievements, Pug. You have some plot now upon a tunning of ale to stale the yeast or keep the churn so that the butter come not, spite of the housewife's cord or her hot spit, or some good rebibe about Kentish town or Hogston. You would now hang for a witch because she will not let you play round Robin, and you will go sour the citizen's cream gainst Sunday, that she may be accused for it and condemned by a Middlesex jury to the satisfaction of their offended friends, the Londoners' wives, whose teeth were set on edge with it. Foolish fiend! Stay in your place! Know your own strength, and put not beyond the sphere of your activity! You are too dull a devil to be trusted forth in those parts, Pug upon any affair that may concern our name on earth. It is not everyone's work. The state of hell must care whom it employs in point of reputation here about London. You would make, I think, an agent to be sent for Lancashire, proper enough, or some part of Northumberland's, so you had good instructions, Pug. Oh, Chief, you do not know... Dear chief, what there is in me? Prove me but for a fortnight, for a week, and lend me but a vice to carry with me, to practice there with any playfellow, and you will see there will come more upon it than you'll imagine, precious chief. What vice? What kind wouldst thou have it of? Why, any. Fraud, or covetousness, or lady vanity, or old iniquity. I'll call him hither. Enter iniquity. What is he calls upon me, and would seem to lack a vice? Ere his words be half spoken, I am with him in a trice. Here, there, and everywhere, as the cat is with the mice. True, Vetus iniquitous, Lacks thou cards, friend, or dice? I will teach thee to cheat, child, to cog, 
lie and swagger, and ever and anon to be drawing forth thy dagger, to swear by Gog's knowns, like a lusty Juventus, in a cloak to thy heel, and a hat like a penthouse, thy breeches of three fingers, and thy doublet all belly, with a wench that shall feed thee with cockstones and jelly. Is it not excellent, chief, how nimble he is? Child of hell, this is nothing. I will fetch thee a leap, from the top of Paul's steeple to the standard in cheap, and lead thee a dance through the streets without fail, like a needle of Spain with a thread at my tail. We will survey the suburbs and make forth our sallies down Petticoat Lane and up the smock alleys to Shoreditch, Whitechapel, and so to St. Catherine's, to drink with a Dutch there, and take forth their patterns. From thence we will put in at Custom House Key there, and see how the factors and prentices play there, false with their masters, and geld many a full pack, to spend it in pies at the dagger and the woolsack. Brave, brave iniquity! Will not do this, chief? Nay, boy, I will bring thee to the bods and the roysters, at Billingsgate feasting with claret wine and oysters. From thence shoot the bridge, child, to the cranes and the vintry, and see there the gimblets, how they make their entry. Or, if thou hadst, rather to the strand down to fall, gainst the lawyers come dabbled from Westminster Hall, and mark how they cling, were their clients together, like ivy to oak, so velvet to leather. Ha, boy, I would show thee. Rare, rare. Peace, dotard. And thou more ignorant thing that so admirest, art thou the spirit thou seemst, so poor to choose this for a vice to advance the cause of hell now as vice stands in present year, remember what number it is, six hundred and sixteen. Had it but been five hundred, though some sixty above, that's fifty years agone and six, when every great man had his vice stand by him in his long coat, shaking his wooden dagger, I could consent that then this your grave choice might have done that with his lord chief, the which most of his chamber can do now. But, Pug, as times are, who is it will receive you? What company will you go to, or who mix with? Where canst thou carry him, except to taverns, to mount upon a joint stool with a Jew's trump, to put down Coakley, and that must be to citizens. He ne'er will be admitted there, where Venner comes. He may perchance, in tale of a sheriff's dinner, skip with a rhyme on the table from new nothing, and take his Almain leap into a custard, shall make the Lady Mayress and her sisters laugh all their hoods over their shoulders. But this is not that will do. They are other things that are received now upon earth for vices, stranger and newer, 
and changed every hour. They ride them like their horses, off their legs, and here they come to hell, whole legions of them, every week tired. We still strive to breed and rear up new ones, but they do not stand. When they come there, they turn them on our hands, and it is feared they have a stud of their own, will put down ours. Both our breed and trade will suddenly decay, if we prevent not, unless it be a vice of quality or fashion now, they take none from us. Carmen are got into the yellow starch, and chimney sweepers to their tobacco and strong waters hum meath and o'barney. We must therefore aim at extraordinary subtle ones now, when we do send to keep us up in credit, not old iniquities. Get you e'en back, sir, to making your rope of sand again. You are not for the manner nor the times. They have their vices there, most like to virtues. You cannot know them apart by any difference. They wear the same clothes, eat the same meat, sleep in the self-same beds, ride in those coaches, or very like, four horses in a coach, as the best men and women. Tissue gowns, garters and roses, fourscore pound a pair, embroidered stockings, cutwork smocks and shirts, more certain marks of lechery now and pride, than e'er they were of true nobility. Exit iniquity. But, Pug, since you do burn with such desire to do the commonwealth of hell some service, I am content, assuming of a body, you go to earth and visit men a day. But you must take a body ready-made, Pug. I can create you none. Nor shall you form yourself an airy one, but become subject to all impression of the flesh you take so far as human frailty. So, this morning there is a handsome cut purse hanged at Tyburn, whose spirit departed, you may enter his body. For clothes, employ your credit with the hangman, or let our tribe of brokers furnish you. And look how far your subtlety can work through those organs with that body, spy amongst mankind. You cannot there want vices, and therefore the less need to carry them with you. But as you make your soon at night's relation, and we shall find it merits from the state, you shall have both trust from us and employment. Oh, most gracious chief. Only thus more I bind you, to serve the first man that you meet. And him I'll show you now. Observe him, yon is he. Shows him Fitzdotterel coming out of his house at a distance. You shall see first after your clothing. Follow him, but once engaged, there you must stay and fix. Not shift until the midnight's cock do crow. Any conditions to be gone. 
Away, then. Exeunt severally. Scene 2. The street before Fitzdotrell's house. Enter Fitzdotrell. Aye, they do now name Brentnor, as before they talked of Gresham and of Dr. Foreman, Franklin and Fisk and Savory. He was in two. But there's not one of these that ever could yet show a man the devil in true sort. They have their crystals, I do know, and rings, and virgin parchment, and the dead men's skulls, their raven's wings, their lights, and pentacles, with characters. I have seen all these, but, oh, would I might see the devil. I would give a hundred of these pictures to see him once out of picture. May I prove a cuckold, and that's the one main mortal thing I fear, if I begin not now to think that painters have only made him. Slight he would be seen one time or other else. He would not let an ancient gentleman of as good a house as most are now in England, the Fitzdotrels, run wild and call upon him thus in vain, as I have done this twelvemonth. If he be not at all, why are there conjurers? If they be not, why are there laws against them? The best artists of Cambridge, Oxford, Middlesex, and London, Essex and Kent, I have had in pay to raise him these fifty weeks, and yet he appears not. It's death, I shall suspect they can make circles only shortly, and know but his hard names. They do say he will meet a man of himself that has a mind to him. If he would so, I have a mind and a half for him. He should not be long absent. Prithee, come, I long for thee, and I were with child by him, and my wife too, I could not more. Come yet, good Beelzebub, were he a kind devil, and had humanity in him, he would come, but to save one's longing. I should use him well, I swear it with respect. Would he would try me? Not if the conjurers do when they have raised him, get him in bonds, and send him post on errands a thousand miles. It is preposterous, that, and I believe it's the true cause he comes not, and he has reason. Who would be engaged that might live freely as he may do? I swear they are wrong all. The burnt child dreads the fire. They do not know to entertain the devil. I would so welcome him. Observe his diet. Get him his chamber hung with arras, two of them, in my own house. Lend him my wife's wrought pillows. And as I am an honest man, I think, if he had a mind to her, too, uh, I should grant him to make our friendship perfect. So I would not to every man. If he but hear me now, and should come to me in a brave young shape, and take me at my word. Enter Pug, handsomely shaped and apparelled. Ha! Who is this? Sir, your good pardon that I thus presume upon your privacy. I am born a gentleman, a younger brother, but in some disgrace now with my friends, and want some little means to keep me upright while things be reconciled. Please you to let my service be of use to you, sir. Fitzdotrell aside service the hell 
my heart was at my mouth till I had viewed his shoes well, for those roses were big enough to hide a cloven foot. No, my friend, my number's full. I have one servant, who is my all, indeed, and from the broom unto the brush, for just so far I trust him. He is my wardrobe man, my caterer, cook, butler, and steward, looks unto my horse, and helps to watch my wife. He has all the places that I can think on, from the garret downwards, even to the manger, and the currycomb. Sir, I shall put your worship to no charge, more than my meat, and that but very little. I'll serve you for your love. Oh, without wages. Oh, I'd hearken up that year were I at leisure, but now I am busy. Prithee, friend, forbear me, and thou hast been a devil. I should say somewhat more to thee. Thou dost hinder now my meditations. Sir, I am a devil. How? A true devil, sir. Nay, now you lie. Under your favour, friend, for I'll not quarrel. I looked on your feet afore. You cannot cozen me. Your shoe's not cloven, sir. You are whole hoofed. Sir, that's a popular error, deceives many, but I am that I tell you. What's your name? My name is Devil, sir. Sayest thou true? Indeed, sir. Sled, there's some omen in this. What countryman? Of Derbyshire, sir, about the peak. That hall belonged to your ancestors? Yes, devil's arse, sir. Fitzdotterel, aside. I'll entertain him for the namesake, <laughs> and turn away my t'other man, and save four pound a year by that. There is luck and thrift, too. The very devil may come hereafter as well. A friend, I receive you, but withal, I acquaint you afterhand. If you offend me, I must beat you. It is a kind of exercise I use, and cannot be without. Yes, if I do not offend, you can, sure. Faith, devil, very hardly. I'll call you by your surname, because I love it. Enter behind, engine with a cloak on his arm, Whittapole and Manley. Yonder he walks, sir. I'll go lift him for you. To him, good engine. Raise him up by degrees. Gently, and hold him there too. You can do it. Show yourself now a mathematical broker. I'll warrant you for half a piece. Tis done, sir. Engine goes to Fitzdotterel and takes him aside. Is it possible there should be such a man? You shall be your own witness. I'll not labor to tempt you past your faith. And is his wife so very handsome, say you? I have not seen her since I came home from travel, and they say she is not altered. Then, before I went, I saw her once. But so, as she hath struck still in my view, no object hath removed her. Tis a fair guest, friend, beauty. And once lodged deep in the eyes, she hardly leaves the inn. How does he keep her? Very brave. However himself sordid, he is sensual that way. In every dressing he does study her. 
and furnish forth himself so from the brokers? Yes, that's a hired suit he now has on to see the devil is an ass today in. This engine gets three or four pound a week by him. He dares not miss a new play or a feast, what rate soever clothes be at, and thinks himself still new, in other men's old. But stay, does he love meat so? Faith, he does not hate it. But that's not it. His belly and his palate would be compounded with for reason. Mary, a wit he has, of that strange credit with him, against all mankind. And as it doth make him do just what it list, it ravishes him forth whither to please, to any assembly or place, and would conclude him ruined should he scape one public meeting out of the belief he has of his own great and catholic strengths in arguing and discourse. It takes, I see, he has got the cloak upon him. Fitzdottrell, after saying on the cloak, A fair garment, by my faith, engine. It was never made, sir, for threescore pound, I assure you. Twill yield thirty. The plush, sir, cost three pound ten shillings a yard, and then the lace and velvet. I shall, engine, be looked at prettily in it. Art thou sure the play is played today? Oh, here's the bill, sir. I'd forgotten to give it you. He gives him the play bill. Ha, ha, the devil. I will not lose you, Sarah. But, engine, think you the gallant is so furious in his folly, so mad upon the matter, that he'll part with his cloak upon these terms? Trust not your engine. Break me to pieces, else as you would do a rotten crane or an old rusty jack that has not one true wheel in him. Do but talk with him. I shall do that to satisfy you, engine, and myself too. Comes forward. With your leave, gentlemen, which of you is it? Is so mere idolater to my wife's beauty, and so very prodigal unto my patience, that... For the short parley of one swift hour's quarter with my wife, he will depart with, oh, let me see, this cloak here, the price of folly. Sir, are you the man? I am the adventurer, sir. Your time. Your name is Whittipool? The same, sir. And has told me you have travelled lately? That I have, sir. Truly. Your travels may have altered your complexion, but sure your wit stood still. It may well be, sir. All heads have not like growth. The good man's gravity that left you land, your father, never taught you these pleasant matches. No, nor can his mirth, with whom I make them, put me off. You are resolved, then? Yes, sir. Beauty is the saint. You'll sacrifice yourself into the shirt, too? so I may still clothe and keep warm your wisdom. You laid me, sir. I know what you will bear, sir. Well, to the point. Tis only, sir, you say, to speak unto my wife? Only to speak to her. And in my presence? In your very presence. And in my hearing? In your hearing, so you interrupt us not. For the short space you do demand, the fourth part of an hour, I think I shall with some convenient study, and this good help to boot. Shrugs himself up in the cloak. Bring myself to it. I ask no more. 
please you walk toward my house and speak what you list that time is yours my right i have departed with but not beyond a minute or a second look for length and drawing out may advance much to these matches and i accept all kissing kisses are silent petition still with willing lovers lovers how false that are your fantasy sir i do know somewhat i forbid all lip-work i am not eager at forbidden dainties who covets unfit things denies himself you say well sir it was prettily said that same he does indeed but have no touches therefore nor takings by the arms nor tender circles cast about the waist but all be done at distance love is brought up with those soft mignard handlings his pulse lies in his palm and i defend all melting joints and fingers that's my bargain i do defend them anything like action but talk sir what you will use all the tropes and schemes that prince quintilian can afford you and much good do your rhetoric's heart you are welcome sir opens the door of his house engine god be with you sir i must condition to have this gentleman by a witness well i am content so he be silent yes sir come devil i'll make you room straight but i'll show you first to your mistress who's no common one you must conceive that brings its gain to see her i hope thou hast brought me good luck i shall do it sir they all enter the house scene three a room in fitzdotrell's house enter Whittapole, manley and engine engine you hope of your half-piece tis there sir be gone exit engine friend manley who's within here fixed knocks him on the breast i am directly in a fit of wonder what will be the issue of this conference for that ne'er vex yourself till the event how like you him i would fain see more of him what think you of this i am past degrees of thinking old afric and the new america with all their fruit of monsters cannot show so just a prodigy could you have believed without your sight a mind so sordid inward should be so spacious and laid forth abroad with all the show that ever shop or ware was i believe anything now though i confess his vices are the most extremities i ever knew in nature but why loves he the devil so oh sir for hidden treasure he hopes to find and has proposed himself so infinite a mass as to recover he cares not what he parts with of the present to his men of art who are the race may coin him promise gold mountains and the covetous are still most prodigal but have you faith that he will hold his bargain oh dear sir he will not off aunt fear him not i know him one baseness still accompanies another see he is here already and his wife too a wondrous handsome creature as i live enter fitzdotrell with mrs francis his wife come wife this is the gentleman oh, nay blush not why what do you mean sir have you your reason wife i do not know that i have lent it forth to any one 
at least without a pawn-wife, that I have ate or drunk the thing of late that should corrupt it. Wherefore, gentle wife, obey. It is thy virtue. Hold no acts of disputation. Are you not enough to talk of feasts and meetings, but you'll still make argument for fresh? Why, careful, wedlock. If I have a longing to have one tale more go of me, what is that to thee, dear heart? Why shouldst thou envy my delight, or cross it by being solicitous, when it not concerns thee? Yes, I have share in this. The scorn will fall as bitterly on me, where both are laughed at. Laughed at, sweet bird? Is that the scruple? Come, come, thou art a nice. Which of your great houses, I will not mean at home here, but abroad, your family's in France, wife, send not forth something within the seven year, may be laughed at. I do not say seven months, nor seven weeks, nor seven days, nor hours, but seven year, wife, I give them time. Once within seven year, I think they may do something may be laughed at. In France, I keep me there still. Wherefore, wife, let them that list laugh still, rather than weep for me. Here is a cloak cost fifty pound, wife, which I can sell for thirty, when I have seen all London in it, and London has seen me. Today I go to the Blackfriars Playhouse, sit in the view, salute all my acquaintance, rise up between the acts, let fall my cloak, publish a handsome man, and a rich suit, as that's a special end why we go thither. All that pretend to stand for it on the stage. The ladies ask, who's that? For they do come to see us, love, as we do to see them. Now, I shall lose all this for the false fear of being laughed at. Yes, wuss. Let them laugh, wife. Let me have such another cloak tomorrow. And let them laugh again, wife, and again. And then grow fat with laughing, and then fatter. All my young gallants, let them bring their friends, too. Shall I forbid them? No. Let heaven forbid them, or wit, if it have any chart on him. Come, thy ear, wife, is all I'll borrow of thee. Set your watch, sir. Thou only art to hear, not speak a word, dove, to aught he says. That I do give you in precept, no less than counsel on your wifehood, wife. Not though he flatter you, or make court, or love, as you must look for these, or say he rail, Whatever his arts be, wife, I will have thee delude them with a trick, thy obstinate silence. I know advantages, and I love to hit these pragmatic young men at their own weapons. Is your watch ready? Here my sail bears for you. Tag toward him, sweet pinnace. He disposes his wife to her place. Where's your watch? I'll set it, sir, with yours. Mrs. Fitzdottrell aside. I must obey. Her modesty seems to suffer with her beauty, and so if his folly were away, it were worth pity. Now they are right. Begin, sir. But, but first, let me repeat the contract briefly. I am, sir, to enjoy this cloak I stand in, freely, and as your gift, upon condition you may freely speak here to my spouse, your quarter of an hour always keeping in the measured distance of your yard or more from my said spouse, and in my sight and hearing. This is your covenant? Yes, but you'll allow for this time spent now? Set them so much back. I think I shall not need it. Well, begin, sir. There is your bound, sir. Not beyond that rush. 
If you interrupt me, sir, I shall discloak you. The time I have purchased, lady, is but short, and therefore, if I employ it thriftily, I hope I stand the nearer to my pardon. I am not here to tell you you are fair, or lovely, or how well you dress you, lady. I'll save myself that eloquence of your glass, which can speak these things better to you than I. And tis a knowledge wherein fools may be as wise as a court parliament. Nor come I with any prejudice or doubt that you should, to the notice of your own worth, need least revelation. She's a simple woman knows not her good, whoever knows her ill, and at all corrects that you are the wife to so much blasted flesh as scarce hath soul instead of salt to keep it sweet i think will ask no witnesses to prove the cold sheets that you lie in with the watching candle that sees how dull to any thaw of beauty pieces and quarters half and whole night sometimes the devil-given elfin squire your husband doth leave you quitting here his proper circle for a much worse in the walks of lincoln's inn under the elms to expect the fiend in vain there will confess for you i did look for this jeer and what a daughter of darkness he does make you locked up from all society or object your eye not let to look upon a face under a conjurer's or some mould for one hollow and lean like his but by great means as i now make your own too sensible sufferings without the extraordinary aids of spells or spirits may assure you lady for my part i protest against all such practice i work by no false arts medicines or charms to be said forward and backward no i accept sir i shall ease you he offers to discloak him mum nor have i ends lady upon you more than this to tell you how love beauty's good angel he that waits upon her at all occasions and no less than fortune helps the adventurous in me makes that proffer which never fair one was so fond to lose who would but reach a hand forth to her freedom on the first sight i loved you since which time though i have travelled i have been in travail more for the second blessing of your eyes which now i've purchased than for all aims else Think of it, lady. Be your mind as active as is your beauty. View your object well. Examine both my fashion and my years. Things that are like are soon familiar, and nature joys still in equality. Let not the sign of the husband fright you, lady, but ere your spring be gone, enjoy it. Flowers, though fair, are oft but of one morning. Think, all beauty doth not last until the autumn. You grow old while I tell you this, and such as cannot use the present are not wise. If love and fortune will take care of us, why should our will be wanting? This is all. What do you answer, lady? Now the sport comes. Let him still wait, 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 while the watch goes and the time runs, wife. How? Not any word? Nay. Then I taste a trick in it. Worthy lady, I cannot be so false to my own thoughts of your presumed goodness, to conceive this as your rudeness which I see imposed. Yet, since your catalyst jailer here stands by you, and you are denied the liberty of the house, let me take warrant, lady, from your silence, whichever is interpreted consent, to make your answer for you, which shall be to as good purpose as I can imagine, and what I think you'd speak. No, 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 no. 
I shall resume, sir. Sir? What do you mean? One interruption more, sir, and you go into your hose and doublet. Nothing saves you. And therefore hearken. This is for your wife. You must play fair, sir. Stand for me, good friend. Sets manly in his place and speaks for the lady. Troth, sir, tis more than true that you have uttered of my unequal and so sordid match here, with all the circumstances of my bondage. I have a husband, and a two-legged one, but such a moonling, as no wit of man or roses can redeem from being an ass. He has grown too much the story of men's mouths to scrape his lading. Should I make to my study and lay all ways, yea, call mankind to help to take his burden off? Why, this one act of his, to let his wife out to be courted, and at a price, proclaims his asinine nature so loud, as I am weary of my title to him. But, sir, you seem a gentleman of virtue, no less than blood, and one that every way looks as if he were of too good quality to entrap a credulous woman, or betray her. Since you have paid thus dear, sir, for a visit, and made such venture on your wit and charge, merely to see me, or at most to speak to me, I were too stupid, or what's worse, ingrate, not to return your venture. Think but how I may with safety do it, I shall trust my love and honour to you, and presume you'll ever husband both against this husband, who, if we chance to change his liberal ears to other ensigns, and with labour make a new beast of him, as he shall deserve cannot complain he is unkindly dealt with. This day he is to go to a new place, sir, from whence no fear, no, no authority, scarcely the king's command, sir, will restrain him. Now you have fitted him with a stage garment, for the mere name's sake were there nothing else, and many more such journeys he will make, which, if they now or any time thereafter offer us opportunity, you hear, sir, who'll be as glad and forward to embrace, meet, and enjoy it cheerfully as you. Shifts to his own place again. I humbly thank you, lady. Keep your ground, sir. Will you be lightened? Mum. And but I am, by the said contract, thus to take my leave of you at this so envious distance. I had taught our lips ere this, to seal the happy mixture made of our souls. But we must both now yield to the necessity. Do not think yet, lady, but I can kiss and touch and laugh and whisper and do those crowning courtships, too, for which day and the public have allowed no name. But now my bargain binds me. T'were rude injury to importune more, or urge a noble nature to what of its own bounty it is prone to. Else I should speak. But, lady, I love so well, as I will hope you'll do so, too. I have done, sir. Well, then I have won. Sir, and I may win too. Oh, yes, no doubt on't. I'll take careful order that she shall hang forth ensigns at the window to tell you when I am absent. I'll keep three or four footmen ready still of purpose to run and fetch you at her longings, sir. I'll go bespeak me straight a gilt carrock for her and you to take the errand. Yes, into Hyde Park and thence into Blackfriars. This is the painters where you may see pictures and note the properest limbs and how to make them. 
or what do you say unto a middling gossip to bring you i together at her lodging under pretext of teaching of my wife some rare receipt of drawing almond milk ha huh? it shall be a part of my care good sir god be with you i have kept the contract and the cloak's mine own why much good do it you sir it may fall out that you have bought it dear though i've not sold it exit a pretty riddle fare you well good sir wife your face this way look on me and think you had a wicked dream wife and forget it this is the strangest motion i ever saw exit now wife since this fair cloak the worse upon me for my great sufferings or your little patience huh? they laugh you think why sir and you might see it what thought they have of you may be soon collected by the young gentleman's speech young gentleman death you are in love with him are you could he not be named the gentleman without the young up to your cabin again my cage you were best to call it yes sing there you'd fain be making blancmange with him at your mother's i know you go get you up exit mrs fitzdottrell enter pug how now what say you devil here is one engine sir desires to speak with you i thought he had brought some news of a broker well let him come in good devil fetch him else exit pug re-enter engine oh my fine engine what's the affair more cheats no sir the wit the brain the great projector i told you of is newly come to town where engine i have brought him he's without here he pulled off his boots sir but so followed for businesses but what is a projector i would conceive why one sir that projects ways to enrich men or to make them great by suits by marriages by undertakings according as he sees they humour it can he not conjure at all i think he can sir to tell you true but you do know of late the state hath taken such note of em and compelled em to enter such great bonds they dare not practice it is true and i lie fallow for the while oh sir you'll grow the richer for the rest oh, i hope i shall but engine you do talk somewhat too much of my courses my cloak customer could tell me strange particulars by my means how should he have them else you do not know sir what he has em by what arts a moneyed man sir and is as great with your almanac men as you are that gallant you make the other wait too long here and he is extreme punctual is he a gallant sir you shall see he's in his riding suit as he comes now from court but hear him speak minister matter to him and then tell me exeunt end of act one